When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. go. 6.05. 6.05 billion. That's the nothing personal word of the day. That's the nothing personal number of the day. And the day is April 14th, 2023, otherwise known as my daughter's 25th birthday. Happy birthday. The Washington Commanders, what are we going to do? The content from Danny Snyder, we are this close to not being able to talk about the Commanders anymore. And Danny Snyder, in a huge day for the NFL, it was announced yesterday that he had agreed to sell the team to a group led by Josh Harris, co-owner of the Philadelphia 76ers and New Jersey Devils, as well as a team in the EPL, and Mitchell Rails, who we'll talk about in a minute, and Magic Johnson, who we'll talk about in a minute, beating out Tillman Furtada, beating out Jeff Bezos to the extent he was ever in the race, beating out uh, the, the Greek or some other businessman, all the other bidders, let me tell you what happened really yesterday because the news kept going back and forth. We have an agreement in place for $6 billion. The team, they call it an agreement in principle. That is when you have negotiated all the terms of a purchase sale agreement. There could be some adjustments left to discuss. There could be some fine tuning to the agreement. You then submit it to the NFL. The NFL has to approve it 24 to eight, has to be the final vote of the owners after which you are then permitted to sign the document and wire the money and the sale goes through. So we get the news that the Josh Harris led group is buying the team. All of the news outlets are reporting it. Everybody's giving you stories about Daniel Snyder's reign is over. What a great day. And this was me too. I go on CBS Sports HQ and do an entire segment about explaining what actually an agreement with the Harris group means for $6 billion. Then word comes out that actually the Canadian guy is still in the running. Then we come out with the group led by Josh Harris has an agreement in principle that is non-exclusive to buy the team for $6.05 billion. So at the end of the process, this is exactly what happened at the end of our process selling the Marlins. This is what happens when you're trying to maximize the amount of your team, which Danny and Tanya were obviously trying to do. Here's what exclusive means. When you've got four bidders, the bidders generally don't want to bid against each other. So instead, they will come up to you and say, we'd like the exclusive window. It's not the exclusive right to bid. And it's, ex it's an exclusive window to complete a negotiation. If you are granted an exclusive right there is something called a breakup fee. 
a breakup fee is what you pay in return for getting the exclusive right. If a deal is not agreed to, or if you cannot close the deal, then you pay a sum of money to the seller because in theory, the seller has walked away from a bunch of other buyers by giving you the exclusive right. So when we were negotiating with the Kushners, as an example, Josh Kushner wanted to buy the team. There was a period where he wanted the exclusive right to buy the Marlins, and we were not willing to give an exclusive right. We could not come up with an agreement. Then, in fact, we did for a period of time. He had a 30-day right to negotiate and buy the team. The deal did not come through. Then you keep the other bidders alive because if the exclusive window passes without a deal, you have to go back to them. The reason not to give an exclusive right is when there are other bidders in the mix and one of them's name is Jeff Bezos. Because if there is an exclusive window, then Jeff says, great, the deal's done with someone else. There's the window to get it done. I'm going to step back. Let me know if there's anything else I can do. A non-exclusive window enables any bidder to contact Andy Snyder at any point and say 6.02, 6.04, 6.06. Does anyone hear 6.08? It becomes like an auction. So when you see an announcement that there's a non-exclusive deal reached at 6.05, that is not the final landing point of this price. However, what we have learned is the deal is going to get done. There will be a sale of the team voted on by the May owners meetings, which certainly makes it all clear what happened at the last owners meeting when there were rumors, will something come up about the commanders? Will there be a vote on a sale? Will he present a winning bid for a vote? Unfortunately, not how it works. It takes time because the owner has to be approved. The deal has to be approved first by a smaller committee, in baseball, it's called the ownership committee. Then it goes to the executive council. Then it goes to the main floor for a vote. That's where you need the 23 votes in baseball and the 24 votes in football. So you don't just show up at an owner's meeting. There's notice about what's going to be on the agenda. If it's not noticed, you need unanimous consent. None of that is happening because whatever's on the agenda of an owner's meeting gets leaked early. So nothing is just going to come out of nowhere to be discussed. However, now that a deal has been announced, it makes perfect sense. It's going to be a month before this can get voted on by the owners because of all the work that has to get done prior to the final vote. And what the NFL is waiting for is one deal to look at with one party to look at. They are not going to look at three groups other than pre-approving them to bid, which all bidders for a franchise get pre-approved by the league, but none of them are approved in final until a deal is done. The last NFL team to sell at $4.65 billion, remember when Rob Walton bought the Broncos? He was pre-approved and agreed on June 9th to buy the team. And don't forget that it took till August 9th for the final vote. So everything that's going on with the commanders is exactly normal the way a franchise would be sold. Why does Roger Goodell want to do this exactly by the book? He does not want any problems from Danny Boy. He doesn't want any problems from the losing bidders, exactly the way the commissioners would act in any other league. You have a procedure that you follow for a sale transaction, and you're going to follow it to a T. No matter how badly you want to get rid of Dan, no matter how quickly you want to get rid of Dan, 
you do it in the exact procedural way as outlined in the constitution of your particular league. So it is possible that someone other than Josh Harris is going to get the commanders. No one's talking about that, but that is true. When you have a non-exclusive deal, someone can step in. Dan Snyder can go to every single other bidder and say, all right, we've got a new floor. Furtada went public saying I'm out at 5.6. That's where Forbes told me to be out. So I'm out. See you later. Bezos, was he in? Was he out? No one really knows. There's a conversation that will happen today, I suspect, with Dan Lebetard about this. And what's interesting is the question of who decides who gets to sell a team to who. Can Dan Snyder not sell a team to Jeff Bezos if he doesn't want to sell a team to Jeff Bezos, even if Jeff Bezos wants to bid a higher amount of money? And the answer is yes. The NFL will only vote on a transaction that is submitted by the existing owner, otherwise known as the seller. The NFL cannot vote on a transaction that the owner won't sign. As much as the NFL owners would like Jeff Bezos to buy a team at $8 billion. And if Jeff Bezos has told Roger Goodell, I will go to $8 billion. If Snyder wants to take 6.05 from Josh Harris, that is his right. Does it make sense that he would do that? It doesn't make C-E-N-T-S. It doesn't make S-E-N-C-E. It is a level of P-E-T-T-Y that is unique potentially to only Snyder, but I don't think so. If he sells the team to anyone other than the highest bidder, I will be shocked. So Bezos could still come in. Not sure he will. As a matter of fact, I'm going to take the loss, Coca. A year and a half I've been talking about the sale of the commanders. On November 3rd of 22, we had a wait to see, an actual official wait to see back in November of 22. Go check it out on the back episodes that are on the Nothing Personal page. That Bezos is going to buy the commanders. Well, I'm going to say no. I'm going to take the loss. Also on that day, I said the commanders would sell for over $4.65 billion, which is what the Broncos number was. I'm taking the win on that. A few months before that was uh, March of 20. Was that March of 22, Coke, or March of 23 when I said the commanders will sell before the start of the season? I think it must have been March of 23, which means I'm taking the win on that because they are going to sell before the start of the next season. So what does the NFL do once it has a deal submitted to it for its consideration? It is going to be the quickest approval process. While it'll be exactly according to the letter of the law, there is not one owner who's going to say one thing because they want Snyder out. The biggest question is going to be, what is going to happen with the current pending investigations? That was redundant. With the current investigation that is still taking place. Remember, Mary Jo White, other than Samson and Coca, they went with Mary Jo White to do another investigation about other misconduct, other financial improprieties. There are pending indictments against him. There are investigations going on by authorities about Snyder and the actions he took. When you are in that position, here's how it happens. And this is amazingly crude, and I don't mean it to be, but if someone is being investigated for a crime and that person dies, the investigation ends. No one gets charged with a crime posthumously. 
Dan Snyder is not dying. No one wishes that. I'm not wishing that. I'm not saying that. When you are no longer an owner of a team inside a league, there is nothing that says an investigation to what you did prior to your exit cannot be completed. Roger Goodell actually came forward and said, even after Danny sells, we are going to finish this investigation. We are going to release the results. If I am Josh Harris or any new owner of the commanders, I want those results made public as quickly as possible. And I am telling Roger Goodell when I meet with him as a new prospective owner, I want you to finish what you're doing. I want you to bury him, but I want you to bury him as quickly as possible because we're going to take advantage of the post Snyder bump that we're going to get in ticket sales, in ability to build a stadium, which we're working on right now. And I don't want him in the news any later than he has to be. I don't want our fans to think about him once this investigation is done. And the second thing I got to make sure, Roger, and I need your promise right now, is that whatever punishment that you would have given to him if he still owned the team, you can't give it to me. I had nothing to do with what he did. I don't want to lose picks. I don't want to lose money. I don't want to lose a thing. I need every advantage I can get to restore the commanders to where they were. So if you want to announce the investigation without a punishment, be my guest. If you want to announce the results of the investigation and go after his money that we're wiring to him as soon as you approve the deal, be my guest. But you've got to tell me now, because part of the agreement that we're negotiating with Snyder are indemnities, their representations, their warranties. I need to know, and I'm demanding from Snyder that he represents that any punishment given to him by the league will not impact my team and my ability to build a team through picks and money, et cetera. So all of that is going to happen. The next thing that Josh Harris is going to have to do is he's going to have to figure out how close he wants to be to Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter, when he took over the Marlins, his whole philosophy was, he said, we're going to make things better because we're going to do it the opposite of the way that Samson did. He went left, we're going right. He said, I like colors, no colors. Stripping them away. You like the home run sculpture? Get rid of it. That's a theory when there's not a lot of gate revenue, when you have a new deal to negotiate with TV, when you're trying to get a naming rights deal. All of that, if you want to go that way, go that way. But you better succeed or else you look like an idiot and you're going to get fired. So Josh Harris has a chance to say whatever Dan Snyder did, we are undoing. He changed the name from the Redskins to the Commanders. We're going to change the name back to the Redskins. Ah, we can't do that. Maybe we'll change the name from the Commanders to something else because the Commanders are associated with Dan Snyder. That name change would not come until a new stadium deal is done and you can make the name change as part of a new stadium deal. You can try to spread the criticisms that you may get with the public who is going to help finance the new stadium. You can make that as part of the stadium deal that a name change is demanded so we can separate ourselves from Dan Snyder. There are different ways that you can workshop all of the Dan Snyder deeds that were done but you do it in a way that doesn't hurt you from a current PR perspective. The next thing Josh Harris has to worry about is what role will partners play? 
Is Jason Wright going to be your president? Will Mitchell Rails be on some sort of executive board that has any sort of power within the football operations or the marketing or the stadium or the sales? In football, as in any sport, there is one person who is the governor, who is the controlling partner. Only one. It can't be John Henry and Tom Werner of the Red Sox. It can't be Daniel Snyder and Tanya Snyder of the Commanders. And it can't be Josh Harris and Mitchell Rails. Who wins that? The way you have seen the group announced publicly is the way the group wants it announced. And it is Josh Harris named first. Josh Harris will be the main owner of the team, the controlling owner of the team, the representative of the team in league meetings, the face of the ownership group. That is going to happen. Magic Johnson to the commanders will be the equivalent of Magic Johnson to the Dodgers. Do you associate Magic Johnson with the Dodgers? Yes, I do. When the playoffs are happening and he's in a Dodgers cap, sitting in the front row, watching games, that's it. Magic Johnson, if he wants to come to the community, and I am not in any way downplaying Magic Johnson's role in this group, except to tell you that I guarantee his investment in the team is de minimis. He is not even the A-Rod of the Wolves in this deal with the commanders. It will get leaked at some point what percentage he owns, how much money he put in, because that will all be spelled out in a deal memo that goes through. Did you know Michael Jordan has a piece of the Marlins? He put in so little money, I can't even tell you. I assure you that Magic Johnson is being used properly because he wants to own a team, but also because he's Magic Johnson. But at the end of the day, the buck will stop with Josh Harris. I'm very, very happy for him. <sighs> I have a wait to see here. I think we have to add a wait to see, right? For the commanders. Let's do that, Coca. Ready? Wait to see. This new ownership group, Josh Harris, who's going to get the team, with Mitchell Rails and Magic Johnson, they've got a first piece of business to do. And the first piece of business is a new facility. And they're going to get it done quickly because they've been working on it even while they're bidding for the team. They've been making the relationships necessary with the public entities and the public representatives. I believe that the commanders will announce not just progress toward a new facility, but a location of the new facility before the end of 2023. So wait to see the new ownership group will announce the location of the ballpark, Virginia, Maryland, DC, whatever deal they do before the start of 2023. It's not, it's Coca, let's be clear. It's before the end of 23. That means before December 31st, 2023. Are you saying the end of the season? That means you'll give me till January? This is so good. Coca, all right, let's do that before the end of the 2023 season. Thank you. All right, corrections. I did something wrong yesterday, and uh, I'm going to be quick about it. I told you that Saquon Barkley had a non-exclusive franchise tag, and that he had until July 15th to sign that tag. That is incorrect. 
that is the date that he has to finish a multi-year deal with the Giants if he gets one done. To sign the tag, you get till November. That is my bad. Correction. Thank you for sending that to the person who sent that. What do you do when you have a player who is being passive aggressive against a teammate and that teammate happens to be the, in theory, best player on the team, the person who you've built your team around? The example I can give is when we had players, Hanley Ramirez used to be our best player and we had a bunch of players who were very unhappy with Hanley and some of the things he did on and off the field. And you can't argue with Hanley's talent. Hanley is, I love Hanley. We acquired him in 2006. He really is someone who I appreciated his talent very, very much and him uh, both on and off the field, but he could, he was frustrating. There were times that he was frustrating to his teammates and his teammates would acknowledge that and Hanley would acknowledge that. When you've got a situation with a player who is the best player on your team, who's doing something that is hurting the team, Sometimes the team will meet with the front office. Sometimes the team will meet with itself. Sometimes the team will meet individually with players, with front office, as we all try to figure out how to get the best out of a player. I have spoken to you about when that message goes wrong. I have thought about and discussed when you've got the wrong messenger, like in any situation, the messenger is as important as the message. Thinking about when to say what you're gonna say and who's it going to come from, you likely negotiate that in your own life. When you're trying to figure out something with your kid or with your spouse or with a coworker, you're trying to figure out who's gonna talk to him. How many times do we have this conversation? Not on nothing personal, but just in life. All right, who's gonna do it? Like when your siblings have to say something, when you have to take away the car keys of an aging elderly parent. All right, who's gonna do it? Where's there going to be the least amount of friction and fighting? Teams do this too. The New Orleans Pelicans have a problem as a franchise because their franchise player, Zion Williamson, and we covered it yesterday, not on the court. I did a whole segment that ended up being prescient about how angry I would be and how stupid it was for the Pelicans to have Zion Williamson doing dunks and 360s and all that before the Pelicans playing game which they lost, therefore ending their season, not qualifying for the playoffs. If you think that the Pelicans owners, whether it was Gail Benson or anyone else with the Pelicans, or the team itself didn't sit around looking at Zion Williamson saying, come on, what's happening here? What are we doing? Because we don't like this feeling of continuing to lose. We must be better. As you would say, Matt, let's be great. Who's the leader of that team? Zion Williamson is not. I would argue persuasively, in my opinion, that CJ McCollum is the owner, not the owner, four, six, nine. I would argue somewhat persuasively that CJ McCollum is the leader of the New Orleans Pelicans. After the play in loss, he said the following. We've got to be available. We've got to do what we need to do off the court in terms of preparation, in terms of getting treatment, in terms of getting the right sleep, the right type of hydration, having the right type of diet. Is he talking about an overweight alcoholic who didn't take the time to get in the training room and get better because he was injured? 
Hmm. Is he talking about someone who's partying all night, not going into the training room, therefore not sleeping right, drinking only alcohol and not enough Gatorade, Powerade, or whoever the team sponsor is, and by the way, is eating too many quarter pounders with cheese? Just throwing it out there. Is that possible? That he's talking about Zion? Of course he's talking about Zion. You could argue that he's talking about any player as president of the NBA Players Association, but guess what? He's not. He is talking specifically about his teammates in what I tweeted at David P. Sampson is the least subtle thing that a player could do, but also the most purposeful. You think as president of the union, someone who is always aware of what he is saying and the impact that what he is saying is having. Think that was done with emotion? You think it was done to embarrass Zion? Yes. You think it was done for Zion to get a message? Yes. You think the shine is off Zion as the number one pick and the savior of the Pelicans? Yes, yes, yes. As the front office of the Pelicans, if you did not choreograph that, then you've got a huge problem. Because if you did not want McCollum to be the messenger of that message to Zion, and Zion is not prepared to hear that message, guess what? You are going to have an issue that even a summer away will not cure. And when training camp comes around, you are going to have deep resentment within the locker room, not starting off fresh. If Benson and Griffin, who runs the team, told McCollum, and they agreed that he was going to say it, but then which is what I would do. I would have spoken to Zion to say, get ready. Here's what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. You're going to read this and here's how you're going to respond to it. With silence. You're not going to clap back. You're not going to do anything other than prove us all wrong and get with your team come next season and be ready to go for a full season. We're gonna have actions, not words. So what's interesting to me is will Zion pay attention to that request? The answer is, I don't know, because it is embarrassing for that quote to be headed Zion's way. Everyone picked up on the fact that it was for Zion and Zion's agent and inner circle may ask him to respond. If I were in Zion's inner circle, I owe nothing to the Pelicans other than the fact that they're paying me not to play, which is awesome, that they gave me a rookie max deal, which is cool. The fact that it's not going to be worth the maximum it could be worth is because he didn't play and he's not gonna get any accolades, but I don't wanna do anything that could in any way jeopardize any of my guarantee money. So as his agent, family, I'm reading the contract, making sure that I can say what I want to say, and then I'm going to say it. And what I'm going to say is, I am very excited to help my team win. I'm going to work hard to be ready to go. I am not going to give any more interviews using my name in the third person. I'm not going to say anything about I'll play when Zion's ready to play or when I'm in the right headspace or when I feel good that I can help the team because I don't want to hurt the team. None of that. I'm now going to say, I am ready to help this team because I know that I will work so hard during the offseason to be ready to go 82 games. 
Zion, who was the first pick of the draft, and I've said that the Grizzlies would be happier with John Morant than the Pelicans are with Williamson. That was true until this season, I would say. And now I'm not sure who's happier. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're actually going to talk about what's going on with John Morant. Because with Memphis starting its playoff series with the number two seed, there is off the court news that is a distraction to John Morant. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Thank you for another great week. We appreciate the direction the show is going. We appreciate, for all of you listening for the first time, thank you. I watch a movie every single day. Keep telling your friends, by the way. Let's do that smoother because we're trying to welcome people on a Friday. We're live. We're not doing that smoother. Every day at 8 a.m. Sometimes I forget. Today's Friday, April 3rd, April 14th. We are live on the Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. Join us every morning, 8 a.m., Monday to Friday. We're daily. 45 minutes of your time, which we appreciate and never take for granted. I do watch a movie every day. There's a new movie with Taron Edgerton out called Tetris. And I have got a confession to make. I don't like the game Tetris. The games that I played as a kid, I started, this is going to age me so hard. Coca, it is what it is. The first game that I played was a game called Pong. Pong was something that there, it was like uh, tennis, basically. I loved centipede. I loved pole position. But the love of my life, a love that has never gone away, 
a game that I still haven't played. True love never fades. Music, movies, and Mattel Electronics football. Mattel Electronics football is the one you do with your thumb, not the one with passing. It's all running. It's got blips. And you run for first downs. You run for touchdowns. It, it, it makes the sound from Super Tramps, the logical song. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go listen to Super Tramps, the logical song. At the end of the logical song, there is a bunch of noises that are played. One of the noises is when you turn the ball over on downs in the Mattel Electronics game that I always played and still play. It's like, that means you've turned it over on downs. So Tetris was a game that I knew existed, but I just was never good. I was really good at calculus and, and all sorts of math, but ninth grade geometry, which I took was a struggle. I'm the one who can't pack a dishwasher. I can't pack a suitcase. I can't pack a car. I can't pack groceries. I can't, my spatial abilities are so terrible that even with the cubes that I bought that compress all your stuff and make your clothes smaller, I can't figure out how to fit them into a suitcase right. It's just horrific. And Tetris is that. It's all about spatial relationships. The movie Tetris is about how the game was founded by a guy in Russia and how the weirdest stuff happened involving Russia during the Cold War, the mob, a bunch of crazy rogue video game people. And on top of that, Jeffrey Epstein, the aforementioned guy who died and therefore the crimes against him were done. His girlfriend, to the extent he had one, named G. Maxwell, who's the daughter of that crazy bankrupt publisher over in London of the Daily Mirror, who also was involved in what looks to be like the big short because it's so crazy that it can't be true. But guess what? It's totally true. It is a cute movie. It's an interesting movie. It's not an Academy Award winner. It's not an Academy Award nominee. The script is fine. The acting's okay. The story is interesting. If you play Tetris, it's a must-see. If you don't play Tetris, if you take it for what it is, it won't be a waste of your time. If you're looking for like a majorly serious thriller, who done it and how it worked, no. This is the true story of the game Tetris. And spoiler alert, the movie's not been out a month, so I'm not gonna spoil it. Yes, I am. Spoiler alert, the guy played by Taron Edgerton is involved in Tetris today. Still, either watch the movie or not watch the movie, according to the things I just said about the movie, which is, it doesn't matter if you play the game. All right. Remember, before the break, we talked about John Morant and how he was the second pick of the 19 draft, and I told you that Memphis lucked into not winning the lottery because they would have taken Zion, and John Morant's the better player. John Morant's going to make their team more successful. The Grizzlies have been more successful. They're the number two seed. John Morant missed a bunch of games. We have gone through in great detail the season of John Morant. But yesterday, on the eve of the first round of the playoffs, not good. John Morant countersued a teenager who is accusing him of the assault during that pickup basketball game. Quick reminder of what that story was. 
right before John Morant took that leave of absence and got completely cured by spending a week away from the team and taking care of all of his issues and got reinstated after the eight-game suspension. John Morant had an issue with the teenager before the strip club and all the money and the gun brandishing at the strip club. This was all part of that. One of them was a teenager who apparently was going after John Morant, but he went after the teenager and it just spiraled from there. So the teenager actually was suing John Morant for assault, trying to get paid because if you're going to hit somebody and you're rich, you're going to get a, you're going to get sued civilly and you're going to have to settle or go all the way because you're tired of being extorted. Whatever you want to do, that's fine. But John Morant, he said, wait a minute, I have a plan. And this plan goes back to the deal John Morant signed in July of 2022. How strange is that, that this lawsuit has to do with something that happened almost a year ago? Let me explain. In July of 22, John Morant signed what's called a rookie max deal. When you sign a rookie max deal, it has escalators in it. He was guaranteed $192 million, but he had an opportunity to make $231 million. And that extra money, one of the provisions, one of the escalators was being named this year, which is the year before it kicks in to the all NBA team. To be on the all NBA team this year, you have to be one of the top six players at your position. There are two guards in the All-NBA first team, two in the All-NBA second team, two in the All-NBA third team. Six chances. Is John Morant the sixth best guard in the NBA? To me, it is an absolute yes. Will John Morant be on an All-NBA team this year? To me, it is an absolute no. John Morant and his representatives were aware that he was not going to be named to an All-NBA team, having to do with the fact that A, he missed all the time that he missed, but B, the fact that he is surrounded by all of this trouble off the court, that if you have a chance as a sports writer to choose between John Morant and rewarding what happened to him off the court or rewarding someone else with an All-NBA selection, they've got the power to reward who they want, like Hall of Fame voters in MLB, and they are not going to reward John Morant. John Morant knows this. So he's suing the teenager. He is suing the teenager in a 100-page filing saying that John Morant is the victim, that John Morant is the one that got slandered, the one that got assaulted, the one that got battered, and that John Morant wants compensatory damages for all the harm to his career that happened at the hand of the teenager. Listen to this quote. Before the counter defendant, that's John Morant, lied and before he or someone else leaked his lies to the media, the counter defendant is the teenager in this case, Mr. Morant was a, hold on, stop. This is when being live totally stinks. Like we could edit this out. Four, six, nine, just do a quick wipe and we'll pretend that I got it right. And I'm going to use the name. Before John Morant or anyone spoke to the media, the teenager and John Morant, John Morant was a strong prospect to be one of the six all NBA guards. That selection would have been significant to Mr. Morant because it would trigger a super max clause in his contract 
extension that would be worth millions of dollars. But the teenager who repeated and amplified all of these lies about John Morant's conduct and about the situation that night and not coming clean about what the teenager had done to Morant, about threatening Morant and all the different things that he did to Morant, by not disclosing those, by not acknowledging those, by blaming it all on John Morant, by suing John Morant, John Morant will not be an all-NBA player. Therefore, he deserves to be compensated for the harm done to his career. That's the lawsuit. I have a surprise for you. That lawsuit has zero chance to prevail. That lawsuit will not survive a motion to dismiss. It is impossible for the teenager to be blamed in any percentage for John Morant not being on the All-NBA team. It is impossible for John Morant to prove that the teenager has any percentage chance. Now, what you can do in a lawsuit is you can say that there were 10 factors that had to do with him not being on the All-NBA team, and we believe this teenager was 10% of it. I lost $20 million, therefore I deserve and should get $2 million because he's 10%. It's like allocation. There's legal words for it, but in, in regular speak, it's like allocation of responsibility, allocation of blame. Nope, I'm not willing to acknowledge that the teenager has $1 worth of involvement in this. John Morant doing this now, he doesn't care about the distraction to the Grizzlies. He doesn't care about whether the Grizzlies win in the first round. He doesn't care about any of it. What he cares about is his contract and getting the maximum amount. And in order to show damages, you have to do this before the All-NBA team gets announced. Once it's announced and you're not on it, you then say, by the way, that's a bunch of horse hockey. We would have been on it, but for what this team did. Nope. I wonder why he didn't sue the strip club. He could have. Nothing personal pick of the day. We are 52 and 54 because the cards who were huge favorites had Jordan Montgomery going, who pitched a great game, and then the bullpen blew it. So I should have gone cards in the first five innings instead of cards on the money line. But in any case, we lost for 52 and 54. We have got play-in games tonight. It's the, I'm counting this as a playoff game, even though it's really not. But the Heat are playing the Bulls, and the winner gets rewarded by playing the Bucks in a playoff series starting on Sunday. The Bulls are getting five and a half from the Heat. If you watch the Heat play against, I'm completely blanking who the Heat lost to. Oh my God, Coca. The Hawks, thank you. This is, it's Friday, man. Give me a break. If you watch the Heat Hawks, which I did, the Heat look checked out, don't they? Like they didn't even care. Now, is it because they knew they had another chance to win a game? The Bulls, on the other hand, under Billy Donovan, look hungry. I'm not saying that Spolster's lost the team, but it certainly feels that way. I'm not saying Pat Riley's too old to realize what's around him, but it certainly feels that way. I'm not saying that the Heat can't play defense. Wait, yes, I am. I'm not saying that the Bulls have two players who are better than any player on the Heat. Yes, I am. Bulls plus five and a half against the Heat. That's your Friday pick. Saturday pick. It's a winner. What a series. The Sacramento Kings against the Golden State Warriors. In Sacramento. 
Anyone recall how good the Warriors are on the road this year? Has anyone heard of the Sacramento Kings? If you haven't, you're not really paying attention. It's not the Sacramento Kings of old. This is a good team. And the Sacramento Kings are getting a point at home against a team that stinks on the road. We're taking the Kings plus one versus the Warriors. You're all going to get very aware of the Kings during this postseason. Sunday, we've got a very cool game. We've got the Yankees playing the Twins. The reason I want to point it out is it is very rare for a baseball trade to be good for both teams as a baseball trade. When the Marlins traded Pablo Lopez to the Minnesota Twins for Luis Arias, there was a thought that you don't trade pitching for hitting unless you have an abundance of starting pitching. And who has an abundance of starting pitching? And why would you trade for a fifth second baseman? We don't know where Arias can play in the field. We do know that he can hit. He doesn't hit for power, though. He can't drive himself in. He hit for a cycle. Arias did. He's hitting over 500. Meanwhile, Pablo Lopez is a top of the rotation starter for the Twins. Absolutely outstanding. Often trades are done for money. They're done because there is a disagreement between the owner and the GM about who, which players are wanted on a team and which players are not wanted on a team. Once in a while, you get an actual regular baseball trade. That's what Lopez for Arias was. And how great is it that right now, two weeks into the season, it's working out for both teams. Pablo Lopez is pitching in New York against the Yankees. Garrett Cole, who is having a Cy Young season already, but he's only 10% done with his season. But this three starts in, outstanding. I am taking Cole over Lopez. Okay. So those are the picks of the day. Bulls plus five and a half against the Heat. Kings plus one against the Warriors. And Cole and the Yankees over Lopez and the Twins. All right, as we end this week, I wanted to make sure that you're at least thinking about what tomorrow is. On April 15th of 2013, I was sitting in Mike Hill's office at Marlins Park, and we had run marathons together, including the Boston Marathon, and we were watching coverage of the Boston Marathon when all of a sudden something looked wrong and we had no idea what was going on, but it was strange that there were there were there was activity at the finish line and that turned out to be the Boston Marathon bombing and it's been 10 years a close friend Dave McGilvery who's the race director for Boston Marathon one of the people I ran around the world with with seven marathons seven continents seven days just an incredible guy he the leadership that he had to show that day the leadership of the first responders what the Boston community did Boston strong after that the amount of money that's been raised to help people whose lives were permanently and forever changed, loss of limbs, in some cases, deaths. I've run and raised money for the Martin Richards Foundation. And uh, I guess I would say this. Don't take for granted anything that you do during the course of your day, your week, your month, your year, or your life. There are sometimes things that happen that are beyond your control. However you define tragedy, is how you define it, whether it's death at an early age, whether it is an accident, whether it is some sort of adversity that you have to go through, however you define tragedy, it is what you do after that tragedy that will help define not just your life, but the life of others. To have a positive come out of the Boston Marathon bombing is 
not something I'm ever going to say. I will not say it. What I will say is that after the Boston Marathon bombing, what the people of Boston, the people around the country and around the world, how they came together to not just support the people who were impacted, but to actually make sure that we would never lose it out of the national consciousness what happened and trying to make sure that running could be safe again, that people could feel safe as spectators or as participants, that people would not forget. We always say we will never forget. We talked about that with 9-11. We talked about that with the Boston Marathon bombing. We talk about that with the Holocaust. We talk about that with everything that is so horrific in our world. We say we will never forget. And the reason we have to keep saying it is that people forget or people deny. I am not one of those people. And I would like you as a favor to me, think about it tomorrow. And when you see runners, when you see anyone who may have done Boston, who will be doing Boston this year, just give a little wink, a little pat on the back, a little word of encouragement and assure them that you have not forgotten. Thank you for another great week at Nothing Personal. I promise you that we will be back Monday. It is just business. Sometimes, however, it becomes personal.